Hi, I'm Tracy, an impassioned lady on a quest to slay working motherhood and find fulfillment. I'm here to help you navigate the beautiful and damned in the life of a working mom. I'm a PA, mom, wife, and lover of fashion who is guiding my fellow working moms to ditch the dread and find fulfillment in the wonder and the war zone that is modern motherhood. I teach you the clinical pearls you need to create a life you love, pearls you can apply today to change your life tomorrow. Skirt around those heavy real life topics? No way. Here you'll get an unfiltered ringside seat. You'll hear about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Parenting, step-parenting, marriage, motherhood, faith, and finances are all topics we will sit down and unpack together. Think of this as your one-stop shop for all the motivation and encouragement you need to help navigate working motherhood. Each week, it's like a mom's night out had a baby with a TED Talk. Then the mom's night out went back to work. Pull up a seat, get settled, and get ready to be inspired and encouraged. This is Fulfilled, the podcast. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Fulfilled, the podcast. Today, I am reflecting back on my career as a practicing physician assistant, now going to be called physician associate. I have been practicing medicine for almost a decade, and other than that number making me feel older and wiser and chatting with my Tuesday night book club moms about a 10-year PA school reunion... That 10 years that I have spent taking care of patients in the operating room, in the hospital, and in the office has taught me so very many things. I have learned more valuable lessons about medicine, life, love, and just taking care of people and taking care of myself than I can count. And I have enjoyed so much laughter and just as many difficult days and difficult cases during that time. Today, in honor of that decade of practicing medicine, I'm going to share with you 10 things that the operating room taught me. Here are 10 of those lessons I've learned and retained, and I cannot wait to share with you. So let's get started. Number one, take what the defense gives you. Number two, ask the nurses. Number three, kindness is free. Number four, Sit when you can, eat when you can, and pee when you can. Number five, don't mess with the pancreas. Number six, there is no such thing as just. Number seven, it is your responsibility. Number eight, it takes a village. Number nine, stay curious. And number 10, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. So I'm going to start at the beginning with number one. Take what the defense gives you. Usually this is uttered in the midst of an exploratory laparotomy, which is an open abdominal surgery to investigate, find, and fix a problem. While we're in there, we're doing something called lysing adhesions, which is very, very meticulously cutting down scar tissue that might have formed from a previous surgery or infection inside the abdomen. These adhesions are like little cobwebs. They are thin and they attach to anything that is nearby. And they're particularly stubborn on the small bowel. The small bowel is extremely thin walled. And we want to take down the adhesions or scar tissue to be able to get where we're going or relieve the obstruction and to see what's going on throughout the abdomen. 
This process is long and tedious and painstaking. We want to remove as many adhesions as we can, as many as is necessary to find the source of the issue, fix it, and get the patient out from under anesthesia and off the operating table as soon as possible. We want to move quickly and make progress, but we're also exceedingly careful as the adhesions are stuck to things that we don't want to injure, like the small bowel. When we're trying and trying and trying in one spot, but we aren't making any progress, the surgeon might reposition to try to take down adhesions in another spot, and she might say, take what the defense gives you, which means you take sort of the things that are coming easily and going well. And if you're having trouble and you're in a spot where things are difficult or there's lots of resistance or it's technically challenging, then you change your approach or you go to a different spot. You can always come back later to that challenging spot that was holding you up or causing you problems. You do things with less resistance or the easier adhesions that are less stuck first before proceeding to the harder spots. Outside of the operating room, you can apply the same technique. Go where the going is easy. Do the things that you're going to make progress with and get you where you need to go. If you're trying things one way and you're floundering or you're feeling like you are stalled or treading water, try taking a different approach. Look for the opportunity to make the biggest impact and focus your efforts there. If you're feeling stuck, choose one area to focus on and celebrate the traction and victories that result. Then, with that power of momentum and the wind in your sails, start tackling the harder, bigger tasks that have more resistance. Small wins at first go a long way on your journey through life and in tackling these obstacles. Number two, ask the nurses. Those nurses, anywhere in medicine really, but particularly in the operating room, are a wealth of knowledge, compassion, and experience. Ask them. They know the answer. That thing you're wondering about, they understand it. That question that you have, they can answer it for you. Be kind to the nurses. They have the ability to make your time in the OR terrible and akin to torture, but they also have the ability to grease the wheels and have things ready and help you in a pinch and create some super smooth sailing for you. Over the years, I have worked with some absolutely incredible nurses. They are amazing and knowledgeable. They have supreme abilities and they know things that you don't know. They've seen things that you've yet to experience. In life, find your nurses. Look for the mentors. Seek out those who have been doing the things you're trying to do for longer and are wiser and observe them, learn from them, and apply what they are doing in your life. If you can swing it, get them to teach you their ways in person or virtually. Be curious and observant. Regardless of someone's position in the bureaucratic hierarchy, their knowledge and experience is valuable to you and to them. And something beautiful about the internet and social media is sometimes those friends and mentors are not even people that you know in real life. Sometimes they are strangers from the internet that you follow and take advice from, even if they're not a mentor speaking directly into your world. Number three, along that same vein, kindness is free. One of my favorite and most profound things that I have learned in my life and career is that kindness is completely free. 
Treating people with the profound respect they deserve and sharing kindness with them doesn't cost you a single thing. Being kind to everyone, from the environmental services teams that help to keep the OR safe and sparkling, all the way up to the president and CEO of the organization, kindness can never hurt. Treating people with respect, asking kind and thoughtful questions, and being happy and helpful are traits that cannot be overvalued. Maya Angelou famous, is famously credited with saying, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Making patients, colleagues, strangers on the street, and the person who rings up your groceries feel important and valued is so important. If you can treat those around you with the kindness and respect you'd love to receive, it will take you far. Number four, sit when you can, eat when you can, and pee when you can. Surgery, particularly surgical residency, which I personally have never experienced, is the post-medical school training that takes doctors and makes them into surgeons over the course of a handful of grueling years crazy work hours, and incredible demands. On all accounts, it is intense. When I was a brand new chipper PA just out of school, ready to take the surgery world by storm, I could be found running, skipping, jumping, and dancing around the hospital. I love, love, loved my job. I was so pumped to be out of school and to be practicing medicine, to be able to perform surgery and first assisting, to be doing procedures, and to be able to take care of real life patients as a big, bad, graduated, credentialed PA that I rarely stopped moving. I came in early. I stayed late. I offered to work through lunch. I didn't drink enough water. And as a result, I didn't pee nearly enough. I was all consumed by my patients and my job. And I don't say that in a way to sound like I'm bragging because it was not good and it was not healthy, but I was so excited that I didn't really temper that excitement. One of my attending surgeons looked at me during my first month in practice and said, come and sit down. He was someone I considered to be a wise and seasoned surgeon who had been working for decades before I showed up. He looked me in the eye and I was sitting on a stool in the break room and I was bouncing on the balls of my feet. I was practically vibrating. I was ready to take flight. And he said, Tracy, you need to sit when you can, eat when you can, and pee when you can. This is surgery. We have long cases in the OR. We have many sick patients on these floors that are counting on us to take care of them, and we need to take care of ourselves. It was the PA surgeon equivalent of him telling me to put my own oxygen mask on first. He reminded me that I wouldn't be any good to my surgeon or my patients if I didn't take a chill pill, take a deep breath, and regular breaks for food water, and using the restroom. This was before I became a wife, a stepmom, a mom, an entrepreneur, and a podcast host. It was before I realized how incredibly easy it is to forget your own basic needs when you're spending your days and nights taking care of others. It was before I established a healthy self-care routine and started focusing on what was fueling my body and soul. So my friend... Here is your reminder to sit, eat, and pee when you can. 
life is busy, motherhood is crazy and demanding, and work can feel like it's of the utmost importance. But it's your life, and taking care of you is the foundation for a fulfilled life where you're able to take care of everyone else around you. If that speaks to you, scroll back in your podcast queue and check out episode 17, where I share all of my thoughts about why we should all be ditching mom guilt and prioritizing our own self-care practices. Number five, don't mess with the pancreas. Honestly, in the OR, the surgeons do not say don't mess with the pancreas. He says a different four-letter word for what we're not going to do to the pancreas. The pancreas is an abdominal organ that is responsible for releasing insulin and digestive enzymes that release into your GI tract and help with the enzymatic breakdown of your foods. It has ducts that go into your digestive system, but it's like a sponge. And if you poke it or probe it or otherwise piss it off when you're inside the abdomen messing around doing other things, it can leak some of those digestive enzymes and cause pancreatitis and local inflammation and destruction of the surrounding organs. It is sneaky and a cranky organ, and anatomically, it is near some other very important structures that you might be going after. But unless you're there for the pancreas, you leave that thing alone. In life, identify your pancreas. Maybe it's an unhealthy coping mechanism or something that once you do, you start to backslide. Figure out what that is and identify it and know what it is for you. It's going to be different for you than it is for me. And maybe it's certain triggers. Maybe it's something or some situation that you could avoid. Identify what it is and decide that you just don't want to mess with it and leave it alone. Understand the dangers of those things and avoid them like we avoid the pancreas in the operating room. I can feel it in my bones. This is the year that you start to make traction toward those big, scary financial goals. If you are looking to trim up your budget, to make progress towards paying off your house, saving for your kid's college, or taking that dream vacation to the tropics, I have just the thing for you. It is a free guide I created of 12 things to quit buying that will save you $15,000 a year. You can find the link in the show notes or go to tracy-bingaman.mykajabi.com slash 12 things. That's tracy-bingaman.mykajabi.com slash 12 things. Get ready to start saving major money and making real traction towards those big financial goals. Number six, there's no such thing as just. In the OR, even the most straightforward and simplest procedures have the potential for complications and bad outcomes if you aren't careful and aware. And honestly, even if you are careful and aware, bad things can still happen, just like in life. Therefore, there's no such thing as just. First of all, saying it's just a straightforward procedure means that you're being cocky. You aren't taking it seriously and you are forgetting about the potential complications or worse, you think that you are so good they can never happen to you. They can. Things can always go wrong. I don't say that to be a downer or to be negative. I say that because you want to pay attention to even the little things, the straightforward things, not to be so worked up that you're in a full-fledged panic attack all the time, but to be on alert 
and to take things seriously and to proceed with caution. This relates to my life in that it reminds me to savor moments with my family. That time is precious and we can make it as rich and memorable as we can if we can focus on it. Savoring those moments is so, so important. If you think about it, it's not just a quick ride in the car. It's the opportunity to connect with your kids. It's a chance to let them ask you questions and for you to hear about their day. Let's consider daycare drop-off. Yes, I know it's a chore and it's crazy and you're scrambling to make sure everyone has a breakfast, a lunch, everyone's water bottle, goggles, and a swim towel. It's a struggle some days and with three kids in car seats to assist and double check and to try to be patient with the two-year-old who wants to do it herself. With all of those moving parts, we often leave the driveway with tensions running high. Two things that we've done to help defray this frazzled feeling and to make it not just the crazy daycare scramble are a morning prayer and some group kid-focused affirmations. So the first thing we do as we leave the driveway, I ask the kids who or what they want to pray for. Their responses can range from my baby doll to their favorite teachers to praying for my oldest's loose baby teeth and his adult teeth that are growing in beneath them. The kids quiet down and we say a collective prayer. We share what we're thankful for, worried about, or want to go well. We pray for other people. We often say thank you for the weather and it calms things down and it just kind of settles everyone's nerves. Then we turn on some music or we spend some time chatting. And when we arrive at daycare, we do the second thing, which is some kid-focused affirmations. This sort of happened over the course of the last several months. When we're pulling into the daycare, I say, are you ready? And they say, yes. And then my three kids under six repeat after me. And we say, I am smart. I am strong. I am important. I am a good listener. I use gentle hands. I am kind. I am helpful. I use nice words. God made me. Jesus loves me. And today is going to be a great day. Today is going to be a great day is my personal favorite affirmation. The kids really get into it. They say it with such pride and enthusiasm. And I love that they start their day feeling empowered to rock the day and that they leave the car smiling at drop-off. We took a little bit of a detour here. But if you can remember that there's no such thing as just, then even basic things like a daycare drop-off or a straightforward operation are an opportunity to be careful and intentional. It's your turn to think of something that you do every day that you can enrich or be more intentional about and try it for a few days. Whatever it is that it's just this or just that, Try to put some more focus and energy in and see the changes that it will make on your everyday mindset and how you're feeling. Number seven, it is your responsibility. Before each procedure in the operating room, there's a nationwide safety measure called a timeout. The surgeon calls timeout and things stop. People stop moving, opening instruments, the music is turned down, and the focus is turned up. The surgeon and the team in the room review things like the patient's name, date of birth, allergies, procedures to be performed. We confirm laterality, right leg, left leg. We check and double check that everyone has documented what we're planning to do, that the consent that the patient and the surgeon signed match the operation. 
We review potential pitfalls and procedures that we might need to do. We review if we need x-ray or any other technicians in the operating room. We say what specimens we're planning to send to pathology. Each detail of the case is reviewed while everyone in the room stands at rapt attention. We do this every case, every single time, no matter how big or how small the surgery. We ask for undivided attention, and at the end of the timeout, everyone present says, I agree. I worked with a surgeon who says after every timeout and before he makes his incision, patient safety is a team effort. If you see something that you feel is unsafe, please remember that it is your moral obligation to speak up and tell me about it. In saying this, he vehemently reminded each person in the room that it is your responsibility to keep this patient safe. It is your job to speak up and say something if you see something. I loved working with this surgeon. Not only is he incredibly skilled, he takes his work and safety of those patients who put their lives in our hands so seriously, but he doesn't shoulder that responsibility alone. Yes, he is the surgeon and ultimately responsible, but in saying this, he's sharing with each person in the room that regardless of your training, the letters behind your name, or what role you're playing in this room, the patient's safety is your responsibility. This can apply to so many areas in your life, in being helpful and in taking ownership for your own life, dreams, and future. You know that thing that you're wishing would just happen? It is your responsibility. You are responsible to get it done, to make the phone call, to send the email, or to simply start and do the darn thing. In life, there are roles that we play as part of a team, but ultimately, it's your life, your home, your family, your business, your dream, and your future. You are the one who can create change. You are the one who can build a future that leaves you fulfilled and keeps you safe. Don't ever forget that your life is your responsibility and you have the ability to change your life today, tomorrow, and every day in the future. Number eight, it takes a village. In the operating room, there is a huge team of diverse individuals that all have a unique an important role to play in the well-orchestrated dance that is a smooth surgery. These individuals have vastly different training and skills to employ in keeping patients safe, comfortable, and to do things like maintaining sterility of instruments and cleanliness in the OR. Just like in life, where you'll hear it takes a village to raise a human, it takes a great team in the OR to keep things safe. Choosing people in your life who surround you in wisdom, love, and positivity is akin to having a team in the OR who work well together. You don't get to choose your family in the sense that you get to choose who is biologically related to you, but you do get to choose who continues to have a say and play a major role in your life and the life of your kids. Creating a support system is hard and it takes intention and sometimes some trial and error to find those friends and family members who are going to be there for you and complement your skills and abilities well and also who are going to treat you with kindness and respect. Here's the thing. In the OR, your team will support you and work harder for the greater good if you in return support them and work hard to help them too. You should be helpful and a great team player because it's the right thing to do, 
But if you need a bigger kick in the pants to be a helpful person who's going to chip in and help, know that people will follow your lead. They will work hard and pitch in if they see you doing the same in the OR and in your life. Here's your reminder to be a team player and to build a team that's supportive and helpful to you. This journey can be hard and it can feel lonely, but you truly are not alone. Number nine, stay curious. Staying curious is how I learned most anything that I consider myself to be proficient in doing today. I asked dozens of questions. I kept trying to understand how and why we did things the way we did, why we did one thing differently on today's surgery than we did yesterday. I would watch closely and help with the anesthesia team as they intubated the patient. I would help the nurses to move the patient and untie their gown. Not only did this make me helpful and useful in these areas, but it also helped me to understand many pieces of the puzzle that go into a safe and effective surgery. This strategy of asking why and seeking to understand, trying, failing, and changing your approach applies to everything from major robotic surgery to the way your family schedule functions on a weekly basis. It will serve you well in relationships and business with parenting and meal planning. In life, there will always be someone who is further ahead of you on their journey or someone who is more advanced in their skill set. If you spend time seeking to understand why they do things the way they do and how they got to where they are, those questions will serve you well. I'm not saying you have to do it exactly the way that they do, but sometimes you can see what they do and take a piece that works for you and add it to your skill set. This curiosity is so much more fruitful than comparison. If you see someone doing something well and your first inclination may be to compare your beginning to their middle, to look at where you are and how you're doing and think that they are more skilled, more advanced, or sailing through on something that is tripping you up right now, I certainly know that this temptation to compare is ever-present for me. If we can instead get in the habit of being curious, how does she do things? How can I adapt her strategies to my life? If we can do that, we will spend so much less time frustrated and we'll start to see traction and progress in our own lives. Curiosity and understanding beats the trap of comparison every single time. Stay curious at work and in life. And last, but certainly not least, number 10. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Have you ever heard the phrase, pray like it all depends on God, work like it all depends on you? In the OR, we like to hope for the best. We hope and pray for great anatomy, for stable patients who aren't sick, for functioning equipment, for the A-team in the room, and working speakers so that we can jam out as surgery is going smoothly. But we prepare for the worst. We have contingency plans out the wazoo. We have extra equipment and staff on standby just in case. In life and in surgery, it would be great if things went the path of least resistance with ideal outcomes and the best case scenario every single time. But if you are listening to this and you are a human being living on earth, you'll know that's not the way the cookie crumbles. Things go wrong. There are things beyond our control that don't go our way. We can be as ready as we want, as prepared for all possible outcomes, and there are still things that don't go the ideal way. And that 
is what you have to prepare for. It's a delicate balance between the optimism that things will go well and that prepper mindset that is pessimistic enough to be prepared for when things go wrong. In life, it's much the same. Hope that it goes well, but be ready in case it doesn't. Well, my friend, there you have it. 10 years on the job as a surgery PA boiled down to an equal number of nuggets of advice that applies to the OR, the playground, work, and home alike. I hope that this was entertaining to you and that you learned something about surgery, the OR, life, and how you can rock any and all of those things wherever this episode finds you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week on Fulfilled, the podcast. Until next time, keep on slaying your own fire-breathing dragons. Thank you so much for hitting play on another episode of Fulfilled, the podcast. I have a favor to ask. If you like what you heard today, please tell your friends. Take a screenshot and share it on social. You can tag me on Instagram at Mrs. Tracy Bingaman, and you can tag the podcast at Fulfilled Podcast. And please consider leaving a review. I'd love to hear what you think and your reviews can help other moms find me so they can grow alongside you. Oh, I almost forgot. Don't forget to subscribe so you get next week's episode automatically in your podcast queue. Instant inspiration and all the mom jokes? Yes, please. We'll see you next week on Fulfilled the Podcast.